0: Hello and welcome to the Investors Chronicle Companies and Market Show. I am John Heumann, editor of the Investors Chronicle, joined today by Alex Newman. How are you, Alex? Thanks, John. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. Uh, and you've written the cover feature this week, which we're going to discuss. Generation Games. Generation Games, about uh, demographics of investing and also some key results and news has, uh, has come from your beat this week.
1: Yeah, we're in the thick of it again.
0: Yeah, we really are. 28 pages, was it? Yeah, yes, 28 pages. 28 pages. Yeah. Wow. Summer was is great, isn't it? A weekend of reading, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, over in the control room, double uh, uh, multitasking today, the Megan Box, How are you, Megan? I'm
2: very well, thank you.
0: Excellent. And uh, we're going to talk briefly about your sector focus, which is on the print industry, in the context of a tip that you wrote recently. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there's been some news from the tech industry.
2: Yes, especially in the US.
0: Yeah, big news that even if you're not invested in tech, you should pay attention to. Exactly. Right. Shall we start with the news? Yeah. Uh, so the lead story this week is it's all, this is all going to flow really nicely, They we planned it. Uh, BHP Billiton, yeah, has sold a big asset.
1: It has. With uh, the other big company in in that story is not mentioned in the in the headline there, but in most of the coverage I saw, BP, which is buying the asset from BHP, uh, has been the new story, which is you know perfect for BP because they want this to be the story. They have bought from BHP its long-suffering uh, unconventional shale acreage in the US, which BP bought in 2011 and has basically failed to really make much much out of. It's if you ask the speak to the the industry people, they see this as like you know super prime shale real estate. Uh, for some reason, BHP has just failed to really generate the sort of cash they, they had ever expected from it. They had this activist investor which came in last year and one of the, the key things they were agitating for was for this to be sold off. And BP was the willing buyer for the princely sum of $10.5 billion.
0: Is that a big number in the context of what they're buying?
1: It is uh, in the context of BP's balance sheet because they are still they are still encumbered by quite a lot of debt. Their cash flow... Is improving. Is improved markedly, and they had results this this week, which maybe we can come on to, which shows that, that the company is in a lot lot better shape than it has been. Also, the Gulf of Mexico payments are unwinding, which has been chewing up so much cash in recent years.
0: So it's got a little bit of room to so, yeah. to, to do this kind of deal. Yeah, and it said it
1: has the financial framework to accommodate this, but um, it still requires a you know it's a, it's a cash upfront payment. At the start of the deal, and then in uh, monthly instalments in the six months after it. So it has actually set itself quite a big test of its of if, if its cash generation in the next year and a half. So
0: okay, but but is is that figure? Yeah. is the amount it's paying? Is, are the assets worth that? I guess is the yeah. billion dollar question. The ten point eight billion dollar yeah, question. Yeah, well,
1: ten point eight billion is the t- is the total. So there's a tiny bit which is being sold to a, a, another company. I'm going to be very annoying, sit on the fence, and say it's very. It's very very hard to say whether it is going to be going to be worth it. So what we can do is obviously look at analyst projections as to what these assets are worth. Uh, one consultancy which is particularly adept at valuing US shale is Roysted Energy. They said that they put a value of something like ten point seven billion dollars on the portfolio at An oil price of $73. Um, yeah, you,
0: it, the oil price has been wobbling. I, yes, think, I managed to print yeah. it out three times earlier because you'd blocked up the printer <laughs> with some, whatever you were printing, Alex. Uh, but yeah, where is it today? Yeah, uh, we're at
1: $72. Yeah. Uh, $72 today. So if it's worth $10.7 billion at $73 a barrel, okay, there's lots of calculations gone into that. And of course, BP will have got their own calculations as to how they get more out of the, the asset. But that looks like pretty full value. Uh, I'd say, and there was uh, some commentary also from RBC. Uh, They expressed a bit of doubt and suggested that BHP may have got the better end of the deal here because the checkerboard-like nature of these uh, of these assets, so the acreage is spread around within the various basins, could hold BP back from getting. The, you know the full value they think think they that it's worth without doing more asset deals in the gaps in between those um, those tiles of the checkerboard
0: okay then the next question would obviously yeah. be does it have the the firepower to do the deals it needs to do to fill in those gaps
1: yeah well that uh, I mean that that's a that's a big question and if you're a forced buyer in that situation then that's going to jack up the price of whatever the you know the missing acreage is there you know mm. they've sent a very big signal to whoever the other shell players are in those various basins that they are a potential buyer so yeah big big question and i'm not quite convinced that this deal sort of justifies the fanfare which bp you know wants to wants to bring
0: is, i mean does it have any strategic merit? uh
1: it does have strategic merit so uh, they were considered underweight in uh, unconventional US shale.
0: It also. What, what's, what's, the, what's the benefit of having unconventional US shale assets? Uh,
1: sort of high cash, quick high cash returns. And also because they're able to sort of turn the tap on quickly, it acts as a quite. It's a sort of leveraged form of production. So it's not like they're very, very long term, deep water oil production, that so they can sort of turn the tap on relatively mm. relatively quickly. And then, and almost multiply, you know, their their production, their cash generation when oil prices are higher. But yeah, I mean, shale shale production, as BHP have found, has been you know, it's not been as quite as easy and cash generative as as first build. And BHP is a massive resources company. It's not quite clear to me what BP can necessarily bring. I mean, apart from their integrated model, and you know, they have down, downstream and midstream assets as well in the US. That that they can necessarily bring to the table, which BHP weren't able to do.
0: So, so where, I mean, where does this leave BP shares uh, or our view on the shares? I mean, we 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 know that it stretches the balance sheet a little. Yeah, um, but
1: but so uh, to continue the fence sitting, which I alluded to earlier, we've, we've had, had no good. Yeah, we've had <laughs> we've had BP on a hold for a long time. Part of the reason there is we've always preferred Shell because who also had results this week, which also had results this week, um, and Shell. Both these stocks, we think, are there for the dividend. It's for long. It's for long-term income. And BP has always looked a little bit, a little bit more stretched. And there's been reasons for that. It was more, it, it, you know, it suffered basically for the, the last decade because of the Macondo.
0: Uh, 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 I was going to say. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's had to deal with something that, that none of the other supermajors have had to deal with. Yeah, uh,
1: absolutely. And uh, and you know, that sucked up that sucked up a huge amount of cash. But BP, uh, I think, is just trying to do it. It's trying to do too much and promise too many things to too many people. So not only are they, uh, you know, they're making this big splash in US shale, they're also said they're going to be buying back shares, though the promises there are, are quite quite vague. They've increased their quarterly dividends this quarter, but at the same time they're continuing with their script dividend programme, which, I mean, it's it's almost contradictory because they're, you know, both diluting, diluting their shares whilst trying to reduce the dilution via buybacks it's like they're sending to you know so many signals and i guess with that all those signals the promise is that in the next couple of years this could be a more this could be a more spectacular return if oil prices re- remain elevated than uh, their super major peers it does leave the balance sheet quite stretched and if ultimately y- your concern is with the dividend we've we've you know we continue to see shell as at a slightly more s- Stable company on that front.
0: Okay, so so what did their results look like this week? Uh,
1: Shell's would uh, Shell's disappointed. They disappointed uh, expectations. I think it's because their their cash flow was slightly lighter than expected, and that's partly due uh, due to the, a, a greater greater working capital position in the second quarter.
0: But working capital because they bringing you projects on stream or yes
1: generally they would be they'll be bringing the, the timing of the the snap the the snapshot snapshot of uh, cash yeah, flows yeah, at yeah. the end the end of the period but what world Dutch shell their fanfare this um uh, the half year uh, and the 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 story they wanted to push out was their massive uh, share buyback programs they're hoping to spend at least 25 billion dollars on buying back shares through to 2020, so they launched that program with their half-year results. BP's is something like six to seven billion, with a, you know unspecified date and and frequency. Shell is already buying back buying back their shares, so it creates you know it creates a support for the for, for the sh- absolute share price, and it also reduces their you know their future dividend cost in theory because they could pay the same per cents mm. uh, dividend, and in absolute terms that steadily falls. So. I think it's kind of a sensible thing given the future that oil uh, and gas companies uh, face. And, and, you know, we've said Royal Dutch Shell goes ex-growth. And if, the, if growth in the future is quite uncertain with so much cash at the moment, that's probably a sensible strategy to, uh, to double down on.
0: So still a buy. All right, um, thank you very much. A uh, nice little snapshot there of the uh, the uh, goings on in the the big end of, of oil. Yeah, let's talk about let's talk quickly about BT Megan because that that is another company that people once bought for their dividend, having a torrid time. So we we, we torrid time. I got told off for saying that on this podcast. Why? Because I said it too much. Okay, by by a listener. Uh, so they've been having a torrid time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so so uh, what's this story about Megan?
2: Well, BT and Vodafone both had quarterly results bt and vodafone don't report the same time that all the other companies in the FTSE seem to be doing so we've only got quarterlies from them this week but they were interesting because bt's were all right and vodafone's were poor which is different to how it's been for the last few years but i as i point out in the article part of the reason for bt's being all right is because expectations are so low that really they can't get much worse than they have been in the last few years.
0: So we've, we've got them on a sale at the moment. Yeah, because and, I
2: can't uh, see their dividend being sustained. They haven't got the capital to fund it. Having
0: said that, they, are, they seem to be retrenching from some of the big cost areas that they, they had under previous management yes, committed themselves
2: sensibly. to. Sensibly, Gavin Patterson oversaw this very strange move into TV. And media and I mean, BT Sport.
0: I think it's slightly unfair. It kind of made sense when you looked at the way the landscape was moving, but was BT the right company to do that? Oh, no,
2: no, I, I completely agree that media is the place to be right now. You don't need to look too far. Sky's value is up over 100% in the last year because everyone mm. wants it. And Gavin Patterson clearly wanted a slice of that. But what is really a. Uh, a utility which has a huge amount of costs already it wasn't the company to do it it didn't it, it should never have gone down that road and it's it's still it's paying the price and it's still paying the price of the fact that it's a utility with enormous costs it needs to upgrade the network all the time which it hasn't been doing, which it's received a lot of criticism for from Ofcom, and it's got a massive pension deficit.
0: So, so what are we going to see, is the future of BC now to go back much more towards its utility-type roots? Yeah, I think it'll be interesting and, to
2: see who they appoint as the new chief executive. Because if it's oh, someone... Oh, so we've got no clues yet. No, no, no. If it's someone internal, I, I can't see the strategy changing. Hmm. But if it is someone external, that may be... It may be that they come in and completely overhaul the strategy and, and look to make it yeah more of a of a basic utility as it as it once was.
0: But it, but it seems they've put the brake on, bidding for sports rights, yeah. and so, you know, all the kind of stuff they were having to spend very heavily on to yeah. become this media player, it's already stopping. So the strategy yeah. is changing already. It
2: is, but it's kind of half-hearted because they still spent a lot of money on the football. And, yeah, this week they announced they didn't pay for boxing and things like that, but... They still, they still are paying for for some sports rights, so mm. they're sort of retrenching from that a little bit, and then they're also putting a lot more effort and whether that's actually going to turn into anything into the open reach division because they're getting so much criticism for not doing that. But then they're also starting to face competition in the open reach broadband division. Vodafone has got its own project which is doing alongside City Fiber. City
0: Fiber, yeah, absolutely, which yeah. you can buy. I oh, know they get bought, no, didn't they? Got they they did That's right. Yeah. So yeah, so it's kind of it sounds a bit like the B P story, kind of trying to be all things to all people and not quite yeah. getting anything right.
2: Yeah, exactly. And Gavin Patterson isn't leaving in a i in a great light. It, by contrast, Vodafone's chief executive couldn't have done much more. He's he's being praised to no end and he, he reported his last set of results. He's he's now gone.
0: Do we know who's taken over yeah, there? Yeah,
2: his F D has taken over, so it's very Good continuity. Nice there. bit of continuity. Mm. So,
0: what's have you on the shares? So, BT sell, Vodafone buy.
2: Yeah, buy for income.
0: Okay, interesting stuff. And actually, uh, telecoms and oil had had previously been considered very defensive sectors, and we've obviously seen some volatility in both sectors recently. Not perhaps as defensive as we we might have once thought they were. Which is the subject of a feature we're doing in a couple of weeks. Yeah, more on that later. More to come. Um well, in so it's to media, let's talk quickly, Megan, about your um, your new spotlight this week. We have talked about the the big tech companies a lot, but they are so big, you can't avoid them these days. It's extraordinary. The fangs uh, have all reported now. Mm-hmm. Um, what's what's the story there? I like your intro, by the way. I didn't know Jim Cramer had invented this acronym.
2: Yeah, he he did. He he actually used Fang with one A. So that's well, that, a little bit of artistic well, is, license uh, that, in there. That is actually how you spell it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the two ways of the of the fang as in the stock market fang have done very well. Amazon and Apple had had great results
0: yeah because we talked about them like we alluded to those results last week we, did, we hadn't had them but no. they have both been very strong and they've
2: been fantastic Apple benefiting from the fact that the iPhone 10 is incredibly expensive so while volumes of iPhone sales are still pretty flat the actual revenue they make from the iPhone has gone up an enormous amount because who buys those things? I know they're so expensive <laughs> <laughs> yeah the average price of an iPhone now is over seven hundred dollars. It's just insane yeah I' mean, look I'm trying
0: to get a new phone at the moment I can't decide because they they are just so expensive if, are, I, yeah. if I want a new one I, I've got to commit to two years and yeah. paying a hundred.: There was some month, interesting so.
2: data about uh, not iPhone well not about general phone sales earlier this week and about the companies that are doing well, and samsung is is the biggest phone provider in the world, which I was surprised about I thought the iPhone was far and away the biggest, but Samsung is is bigger.
0: I'm leaning to Samsung at the moment, I have Mm. to say. Um, Okay, so Amazon and Apple have done really well. Facebook, Mm. we know, had a bit of a nightmare. Netflix
2: Um, also didn't do particularly well, but yeah, we talked about that last week. We talked about
0: that. It actually is doing incredibly well, just not quite as incredibly well as everybody expected in this crazy through-the-looking-glass market that we're in right now. But but I think the interesting thing that you talk about is that Fangs is not about these five companies. Is it five? But actually, it's become a kind of catch-all for any fast-growing tech company.
2: Yeah. And looking at the fangs as five companies is probably a bit unfair because you're then excluding Microsoft, which has grown, its its market cap has grown more than twice the size of Netflix's whole market cap in the last year. And its revenues in its cloud division are up more than 50%.
0: Amazon's cloud division has been a big driver there as well, hasn't it?
2: Amazon is still the the market leader in, in cloud services they have more than 60% of the market mm. and Amazon, uh, Microsoft has got about 20% but so it's still the, it's the second biggest and the growth there is just phenomenal uh, it's really driving that business Intel is another company which has had good results this week in, it's like going back in time. I know. <laughs> it's, uh, and but these companies have been overlooked. And as I argue in the piece, is one of the reasons they're being overlooked. And I mean, I say overlooked, Microsoft being up 25%. It's not really overlooked. But when you compare it to Netflix's share price growth, which is 75% in the same period, it is being overlooked a little bit.
0: Well, they're, they're overlooked also in terms of the narrative that's been going exactly, around the tech yeah. industry. Yeah, uh, Intel, No one talks about Intel. I can't remember the last no. time I heard anyone no. talking about Intel.
2: Nvidia is another one, which is bigger than Netflix and growing faster than Netflix. It's a chip maker. No one talks about that.
0: Video chips, isn't it? it's mm. yeah, display chips. Yeah, yeah. So, so I guess the message here is, when it comes to tech, look beyond these big companies. Exactly. Don't don't treat this all as one kind of unified story. Which is which is the criticism of the the, the fang approach.
2: Yeah, and people are starting to realise it, having seen the results from, well, particularly the disparity between Facebook and Amazon, and people are starting to say, actually, beware the fangs. Don't invest in them as a as one that they're, they're incredibly different companies
0: yeah absolutely but having now, said, having said that you can buy there are indices based on FA, fang plus which, yeah, are, which is God, a, credit suisse i think yeah if, if that's wrong i apologize credit suisse. i'm sure it's credit suisse i'm
2: not sure who uh, it is but there are indices that you can buy and you can you can track them
0: having said that they are slightly broader and i'm pretty sure nvidia nvidia is in the fang plus yeah. uh, tracker that you can yeah. you can get but uh okay what, what do we have do we have recommendations on these companies We do on some of them, don't
2: we? We do. We have... We're saying... We did say buy for Apple for a while, but, oh, we got a bit nervous and now it's hold. Ah. And we're saying sell for Facebook.
0: Yeah, fair enough.
2: And I I, I almost threw Alphabet in there as well. I'm not sure if Alphabet's going to continue... To do particularly well,
0: are you worried about the advertising exposure? Yeah,
2: seventy-three percent of their revenues come from Google Ads,
0: and Facebook is similarly advertising-driven. Oh, it's higher. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah.
2: But yeah, exactly. And that that is changing. It's a it's a changing industry, the ad market, and they've they've dominated it, but are they ready for the next phase of advertising? I'm not so sure.
0: Yeah, it seems quickly disrupted. Exactly. And being being in the media industry, we know that only too well. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the media industry. Mm-hmm. Were you there? Good link. Oh, good link. God. Uh, you wrote The Sex Focus this week. It's on the print industry, which uh, which we are part of. Um, you also wrote results on Reach, which is the stupid name that they've now given to Trinity Mirror. Yeah. So basically, the, the, the premise of this, this piece is that the the overarching narrative is that the print industry is dead and you're saying we have to perhaps take a more circumspect view mm-hmm. of of the print market
2: yeah exactly and this uh the direction of this article actually came from a conversation that we had last week when I was t- told you I was writing a sector focus on the print industry and you said, what can you even buy? Which was a fair point because actually if you're looking to invest in a newspaper, you're left with REACH, which is Trinity Mirror and The Express, and DMGT, which is the Daily Mail. And both of them are doing incredibly badly, so we would stay, say steer clear of the actual newspaper industry at the moment but don't overlook the print industry completely because there are definitely companies which are doing the right thing. Time out is our favorite.
0: Yeah, but it's not really print that's driving that business, It's not now. at
2: all. It's well, the thing that we really like about it is the fact that they're doing these markets and they're really interesting. You they set up food and drink stalls in in locations all around the world. Their one in Lisbon is the top tourist destination in Lisbon. And they've got a couple coming in America. But the big thing that's exciting about it is they're just starting to talk to property developers who are going to fund the development of these projects and then time out will take a share of the profit. Mm. So there's very little risk attached to them.
0: So, so they're kind of trying to become a sort of global borough market.
2: Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what they're going to be.
0: <laughs> Which is interesting because at borough market, you, seem to, you, can, be, you can sell any food item for, oh, yeah. for as much as you like. You put
2: any price on it. And people will buy it.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, so we like that strategy. Did they, make, yeah. they don't make money yet, do they?
2: No, they don't make money
0: that's what i thought yeah
2: they're still they st- they are still loss making but and also their shares are very illiquid, and it doesn't take much for them to to go a long way down which they are at the moment but i i think the strategy is the right one
0: yeah no 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 it's it's, it's definitely interesting it's definitely that, that sort of brand extension stuff that, uh, mm. that and
2: people that, love the timeout brand that's what's really interesting about them people value timeout reviews and things like that so they they've got a platform to to work from people see timeout and trust it which is a good place to be
0: mm. i've been mean, talking of uh trust some of the other groups that you like are involved in very specialist publications yeah. where, where trust is obviously at the very essence like us for example mm-hmm. um so so specialist publishing niche publishing yeah ultra niche publishing, Super is also, niche is publishing also in
2: some cases for example the company that euromoney just bought is the number one publisher for telecoms towers I'm not sure exactly who it is that's reading that, but clearly some people are.
0: Do you know, I, I, think, I think about a type like that as an editor, and I just, I, I do wouldn't even, I mean, how do you write? How do you yeah. fill a magazine with news of telecom towers? Yeah. I mean...
2: I, 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 I imagine it's a monthly publication.
0: Maybe. They, they are quite interesting. They come with various designs now. You know, they disguise them as trees, or uh, but, uh, there's some legal aspects to it.
1: But, a lot, I mean, a lot of them, um, Euromoney... Euromoney's money's titles there i mean in addition to the any news they might be providing the real reason they they can sell these niche products for so much is because they're they're providing of almost market data it's down to the um it's down to almost a bloomberg style service that they're they're providing which so, is
0: yeah so again yeah. it's again it's not it's not the old school journalism yeah that's their value it's 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 the kind of things they can wrap around that
1: absolutely yeah yeah i will find euro money's um Pivot into these markets really, really interesting because they're you know they're quite opaque and people really do pay. I know this from covering resources that people pay really pay up for some of the the more niche pricing data on um, on various commodities or markets which aren't necessarily covered by uh, major exchanges. So,
0: okay. So the future of media is, is like, not media, yes. basically. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's telecom tower data. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Uh, okay, so um, I'm sure we'll follow this up as we as we cover the media industry, media industry in the years to come. I mean, Reach was a tip a couple of weeks ago. Yes. It must have, uh, the shares cannot tip. have done well, yeah, a sell tip. The shares cannot have done well after these numbers because they were pretty Well, pretty they gruesome. were
2: dire. They, they were so bad. And the they're able to wrap it up and make it look sparkly because they've just bought, uh, the Express and The Star.
0: There's a there's a strange sentence. They've made it, been a, made able to make it look sparkly because they've just bought The Express.
2: <laughs> so they were able to <laughs> report good top-line numbers, but what does that really mean? They had to raise money to buy that title. They're not going to be reporting profit or earnings growth from it. The fact that they've bought these titles and they have such rubbish online sites means that they're now making even less money from digital than they were before.
0: Local media's not doing too well. Oh, well, you know. local
2: media, they'd take a massive write-down on the value of their regional titles because they're doing so badly.
0: Okay. Again, you, you would imagine this is kind of the, the, the sort of changing nature of, of the way... I mean, advertising would have driven a lot of the uh, performance of those local titles. Yeah. I, re- I remember back in the day, you know, you, you pick up the local paper to buy, to buy something, whether it be a house or a car, or and all of that stuff shifted online to platforms like also Trader, yeah. uh, Rightmove... And, and the media landscape has changed. Yeah, completely. Um, yeah. So yeah, had, had, and that's
2: why the price comparison websites are quite an interesting part of the media industry now. And actually, if you look at Money Supermarket, they're they're a publisher to a certain extent with MoneySavingExpert.com, com, which has thirty million subscribers wow. to its its weekly email.
0: I'm incredibly jealous. I know. <laughs> uh, go compare some results this week. Yeah.
2: They're They're not great. Tough market. Yeah, really tough. And they've taken quite an odd strategy they They've decided to spend less on marketing, which sounds sensible. But obviously, if you spend less on marketing, you're going to start losing customers, which is what's happened.
0: Uh, this is Geo Compario, isn't it? The opera singing. So I'm trying to work out which one's which. You've got yeah. the, the Compare the Meerkat. That's the best you? one. And then Action Man, He-Man, yeah. which is Money, Money supermarket. supermarket. Yeah. Yes, yeah, they spend heavily on advertising. Mm-hmm. Big cost.
2: Yeah. Um, 53% of revenues at Go Compare.
0: Wow. So and that's down. There you go. So do we like those shares? Are we, are we kind of We're neutral on them?
2: Neutral on them, but positive about Money Supermarket because it was really, really whacked last year. So it's, it's quite good value now. So okay. we've got them on a buy.
0: All right. I'll keep you, I'll keep you on the mic because I mean, when, it, when we get into these kind of really quite hideous result seasons that we come sometimes face twice a year, uh, you end up going a bit off the beaten track and, and outside of your own sector. And I know you've both covered some strange companies that you wouldn't usually look at this week. Hargreaves Services, Megan. Mm. Tell us about Coal.
2: Well, no one wants it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so they're making money from their coal in different ways. Hargreaves Services owns a lot of it's, coal mines. It's
0: the old coal mine, yeah. basically, a uh, holding company. Yeah,
2: and it still actually does make quite a lot of money from, from that. And it's, it's coal for really niche industries like fancy chefs. They still use coal. But, yes, yes. Um, but obviously it is dying. So it is still 46% of their revenues. But the thing that's quite interesting about Hargreaves Services is they they own all this land and you can very easily get planning permission on old coal mines so the value of that land is actually for property development is actually so much more than what the the current value is so they have they've got planning permission on a lot of their of their land and they're in the process of selling it to developers and they think they're going to make more than 60 million on on what is currently valued at 18 million pounds worth of land Within the next few years, it's a
0: big value play here. Yeah, and, and, and uh, I heard Robbo uh, shouting at you like, "Big call, this boxel. Big call!" because <laughs> you've you've upgraded.
2: I did. I put it on a buy, which was bold because, as you say, it's a it's a new area for me. But I just I just can't see the shares. I think the shares are being overlooked because they still have quite a lot of exposure to coal, and they their revenue growth isn't going to be great because. <laughs> They, they still make them a lot.
0: They have also been trying to make this transition for quite some time. Mm. Um,
2: People aren't necessarily that trusting of them, which is fair. But if you're looking at it based on the value of the land, they are being overlooked. And- Bar-
0: it's bargain shares territory. <laughs> Alex, you looked at St. James's Place. Yes. Wow, that's a real departure from oil and gas.
1: It is, yeah. There's no mention of you know uh, any hydrocarbons or anything in their results, which le- left me completely bereft. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, there you go. And they—I mean, their, their shares actually dropped dropped a fair bit on um, on the results, even though they're by all accounts very, very strong. They had a very, 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 very strong uh, 2017. You know, their assets under under management exploded. They got a huge growth strategy that was reflected in 20% rise in the interim dividend. They're they're trailing at, at sort of mid single digit percentage point. Growth in advisors per year, which is very impressive, and they're expanding into to Asia and elsewhere. So, um, yeah, I mean the I mean that the analyst commentary outlook is is bullish to say the least. And Bank of America Merrill Lynch said they're an underappreciated share, which I'm not quite sure that's necessarily the case because 25 uh, times earnings. Yes, indeed. Um, Megan, this is something I know you've, you've been looking at recently as well. It's when when companies are on such an steep growth curve, they're always going to look a little bit expensive and then look very, very cheap on you know on uh with hindsight in a year's time. So so yeah, that remains the, 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 the share the investment case for, for St James Place. But as as you pointed out, and I, I did have a look at this um before we came on, you know the you know, if you look online for St James Place, the review you know, the reviews are very much very much mixed, and yes. they, they were accused last year in a in a witch investigation of of uh, misleading some of their clients. I,
0: th- I think that article won the Wingcap yeah. Award for best personal finance journalist. Yeah, I think
1: I think yeah, I think you're right. Portland, then their their funds are, are sort of have been ranked as both expensive and and you know sub you know quite uh, showing some quite poor p- performance versus their peers. So they're delivering growth as a as a company, which outstrips, it would seem their current reputational um, standing.
0: Uh, and actually this market's becoming very, you know, I, I would suggest it's about to become even more competitive. You're seeing a lot of flotations we, we at a meeting last week about uh, some, some new entrants coming to market in the IFA and advisory space. So, Yeah,
1: and St. James Place, they, you know, when I spoke spoke with the team yesterday, they're, you know, they're keen to shrug off that competition and saying that that's the platform those are the sort of platform providers of investment services. They're the wealth managers, but it's within in the same broader ecosystem of personal finance management. You know, reputation counts counts for a lot there. So, you know, whether or not Hargreaves lands down or the other big players see some of the gaps potentially opened up by uh, by some of their some of their competitors. Who, although, who knows?
0: Although Hargreaves is DIY, sure, it's a DIY. St. James part, are people yeah. who very much want to be advised, but. Yeah. It's a very fluid market, it has yep. been for a few years, but uh, interesting. We've got him on a buy, so I guess we're giving him the benefit of the doubt for the time yeah, being. So
1: we're following, following Ian uh, Smith and uh, Emma Powell's leads there on the financial services beat.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Shall we talk about demographics, Alex? Why not? Yes, Let's, it's let's, about time. let's turn to the cover feature. Uh, I mean, this is a fantastic, this is a fascinating subject. We have covered it uh, in in the distant past. When I thought about, it, I mean, I've read the feature; it's fantastic. Thank you, thank you for writing it. But demographics, I mean, in essence, it's it, it's behind everything. Yeah, it's uh, yeah,
1: it's key, and and for investors, it's key to how you you envision the future. You know, and and companies, businesses don't set up without one eye on demographics governments don't plan their budgets without two eyes on demographics and you know the the same same should go for for investors and, and what you plan to do with your money you should always try and take account wherever possible of really one of the the most important drivers of capital appreciation is the economy and the number of people in the in the economy and, mm. and the global economy so that's that's the thinking behind this piece
0: okay so what you've done is you've, you've you've laid out some arguments about the demography yeah and uh selected some companies that you think will stand to benefit from from some of the demographic trends that we're seeing yeah but talk through talk through what i mean what the, the big demographic trends that we yeah. should be paying attention to are
1: so it won't be a surprise to learn that this isn't you know we're an aging population, not only in the UK but most most Western economies, and increasingly in Asia as well.
0: Ch- China, I know, yeah. a, is, has a problem with this. Japan, obviously, we've known about. Absolutely, it for
1: a while. I mean, J- Japan is the Japan is probably the extreme example, and there are various cultural reasons for the extremes in demographics you see in Japan. But if you take them as one end of the spectrum, by the end of the century, some some UN projections think Japan's population could halve if they if they remain on track. Uh, with their you know their falling fertility rates and their aversion to um immigration
0: and and they have uh there is a reasonably high level of emigration as well yeah
1: indeed indeed so um and and these are hu- that 's a huge huge problem and it has been for a while now for Japan to tackle China similarly they have an aging population and potentially been exacerbated by the by the one child policy which only recently has been started being relaxed mm-hmm. so the, the, i mean the headline is really that the the world is aging rapidly i mean in many ways that's an absolute marvel of of human achievement really that that we're all able to live longer the downside obviously is that it creates a it creates a, a greater dependency on working age populations and working age populations are always going to be subject to adjustment it's likely that i will uh, sorry I, I will end up working more years than my my parents generation just because uh, we're having, you know, we have to stru- stretch these things out and and fund greater pension uh, liabilities. Although
0: I do have a view on that, and I think actually yep. people should work for longer because it keeps you keeps you occupied.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> and um, and if yeah, you can you should? Yeah, indeed. Um, I mean, it's not it's not necessarily a bad thing. And one interesting thing I found, you know, researching this is that in, in countries where there are higher education levels, then it seems that people are are keener to stay in the workforce longer, and that might be that might be. Down to the, the kind of employment they, they find themselves in
0: but yeah' that's, that's but if yeah. you 're a writer, you can work till till you 're ninety
1: yeah yeah potentially um, uh, yeah it 's e- yeah, easier to say that than you know if you 're working in a in a coal mine absolutely but yeah, so th- those are two of the big trends the other one is africa africa 's population very, very young, and as a result, that is one of the few parts of the world where their population is going to continue to grow and grow and grow uh, for much of this much of this century before finally peaking.
0: That's quite interesting. We, we, we don't. Africa is not seen as a particularly attractive investment destination mm. for various reasons. But should it? Should we reconsider that? Yeah, I um, mean, you've, you have a play on on the African market here. Yeah. It's not actually anything like a frontier fund. It's uh, yeah. It's quite. It's quite a, an unusual way to to approach it.
1: Yeah, it's country. I mean, that that company is. I, it's worth talking about because they they just have results out today's Vivo Energy and they're a they're Pan African petrol forecourt and uh, fuels business, but I mean really interestingly their their whole investment case it, I mean, it speaks perfectly to why Africa is a difficult place to invest and why it's potentially the most amazing place to invest in. So it's very very young popu- very young population. They just have very stable stable growth reliable growth in their in their core markets over the next few decades. With that is going to be greater demand for transport and as economies grow you just need more fuel they're not adop- they're not adapting to electric vehicles any quicker than Europe is so there is a there is a a sort of there's almost a lag a lag in their transport markets but on the downside, I mean, it is difficult to do, it, to do business in, in Africa. So, they, you know, the results today threw up a number of challenges they're having, you know, in the DRC, no surprise, and potentially in Mar- Morocco as well. So, yeah, those are the, it's the double-edged sword of, of African investments.
0: Okay. Let's, let's, I mean, let's quickly move on to some of the other themes in your portfolio. I mean, one, one obvious one is uh, robotics.
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: Um, and this is something, I mean, in Japan, where, as we've already said, there is an aging population, you are seeing robotics being used as part of the solution to the care problem. Yeah. Which we don't seem to be able to get our heads around in this country. Yeah,
1: it's really interesting. I think I, I, I'm sorry to for partly stolen uh, uh, something I think you were planning on writing about, but you looked into one of these robotic funds as well, Robo Global, Robo Global, and there, no none of their asset allocation or hardly any of the asset allocation is in the UK. None, none, okay. not
0: one company, not even a which you which you might say is, which we've discussed in this podcast is being so it, it's kind of robotics. Yep. it's all about blue prism those kind of things but no this is i think this is largely capital equipment yeah. capital equipment production line robots care type yeah. robots
1: yeah and you know in japan they they don't have the cultural aversion necessary to uh, necessarily to robotics uh that we do so even in the us which I you know robo global they have quite a lot of investments there and there's obviously a lot of high tech robotics developers there the us's adoption of of robots per manufacturing worker is well, well behind Japan or South Korea, or Germany as as is ours. Um, so even though they are potentially at the forefront, they are like us, slow adopters.
0: But I guess a lot of this robotic technology is largely gone into manufacturing, uh, yeah, and sort of you know big big equipment manufacturing, car manufacturing, we yeah. we just don't have that in the same way here.
1: Absolutely, yeah. But uh, you know, rather than the home help, which is often gets touted as you know the. The, f- the future of robotics in, uh, you know, in Japan or elsewhere mm.
0: That Robo Global Fund looks really it's an ETF actually isn't it it's an, it's an index and I think there's a number yeah. of ETFs based on it I think you picked out the US one and I found that there's actually the the UK, LNG. There's yeah. LNG UK equivalent as well yeah. um, so you can b- buy a little bit easier yeah. Um, but yeah it's really interesting it's done really well
1: yeah, it has done well, and um, as has actually, there's I think iShares beaten us to it as well. They've they've uh, they have an aging population ETF as well, so there is another way to to play this, and which involves not only I suppose r- robotics, but also fi- financials, you know, insurers and um, healthcare companies, you know, t- two of the other big trends that you would expect to potentially benefit from uh, or, or industries to potentially benefit from an ageing population.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, you've picked out AXA as an, as an example of uh, one of the big insurers that, yeah. that's at the forefront of these trends. You've got Sanofi there that's uh, one of the um, one of the pharma companies, but I'm sure, Megan, over there, you could, you could pick out any number of pharma companies that are, uh, yeah. are looking at this.
2: Yeah, and it's something that the pharma companies like to talk about because for them, their market is always going to be growing. There's there's never going to be anything brexit nothing is going to stop people buying pharmaceutical products
0: absolutely well apart from brexit which will apparently stop them coming into the country but that's another story altogether mm. gold i mean mm. this is interesting gold being a hedge against everything that can go yeah. wrong in the world what are we hedging against
1: yeah i mean potentially inflation uh potentially deflation i mean there are there are arguments for you know paradoxically there are arguments for both in in holding in holding gold uh long term
0: so, so an aging population could have both inflationary yeah and or it could be argued that, that it could have inflationary or deflationary effects and yeah. we don't know which the
1: jury is slightly out so the the, the the example the lesson of japan is that it's been deflationary potentially but if you think if you think about it that there's more competition from an older uh, non-working population for the goods and services which are being produced by uh, an ever-shrinking working population, then that is potentially inflationary and potentially gives more bargaining power to working populations, which could therefore raise inflation and, and bid up the prices of of, of, of their labour. Yeah, so, yeah.
0: And, I, mean, I think the other thing—I mean, we've got a big voting uh, ballot box on mm. the on the, uh, on the conveyor, the generation game conveyor yeah. belt we have here—and um, and I think you you, you allude to the, the potential political changes that could could happen as a result of ageing populations. But it's your inheritance tax, which I write about, my column is a huge hot potato that you know it, it, it splits c- splits the sort of political spectrum right there in the middle. But, but yeah, gold is, is is a hedge against the kind of political risk that all of this might bring as well.
1: Yeah, indeed, indeed. And you know, just to speak to the political battle that some people uh, imagine uh, is coming as a result of changing demographic uh, forces. I mean, the big un- the, you know, one of the big unknowns is how uh, between generations, assets get end up getting redistributed often gets framed as a, a battle as if families don't have people in in two generations where they will presumably wanting wanting to to, to look after uh, one another so.
0: that's, that's true but this, this is kind of the subject of my editorial mm. is that yes that, that, of course you do but then there are other families that, that have perhaps not had the fortune to be in a position yeah, where they can sure. pass it down and, and, and essentially the worry are, worries are that this creates great big inequalities uh, and that the wealth should be redistributed in a fairer way that benefits everybody not just the lucky few
1: yeah absolutely
0: but yeah well there's no answer to that one there's right no answer. I don't think we should yeah. even go there yeah. um, it's a fascinating feature I'm sure uh we'll be following this up. This is this this is a trend as I say that I think affects everything. Mm, yeah. um, and we'll continue to do so.
1: Yeah, and it's uh, you know the one thing I'd say as well it's not necessarily a negative trend although peaking populations is liable to to scare your long-term investment outlook. You know, we adapt. One of, one of the ways that populations have been able to live longer is the sort of the miracle of human adaptation. So, you know, I'll try to not make it too gloomy a piece anyway.
0: Yeah, no. I like not. the intro.
2: It's very thought-provoking.
0: What's the intro again? What it's, what it is? Uh,
2: it's very much it's deep. I read it while I was having my lunch, and I I questioned life.
0: Oh the dear. IC the IC is deep. We are we are deep thinkers on the IC.
2: Uh, Who knew? The, the unknowable. Best, in, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Until Who the knew, ma- Until the is, be so spiritual.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, indeed. Uh, right. Thank you for listening. Uh, there's plenty more in the magazine, and thank you, Alex and Megan, of course, for. Uh, for your contributions today. There's loads and loads and loads of results in the magazine this week, um, as well as the few we've already discussed. There's all the usual comments. Simon is back. Um, thank you for your emails uh, asking about. Um, his well-being. He was on holiday. Um, <laughs> uh, and of course, we have Chris and, and Nicole and Bearboys always looking at utilities this week and, and Mark Robinson has written his, uh, his Taking Stock intro. Lots of the personal finance and funds section, which they will discuss on their podcast tomorrow. But other than that, we, we've got to get back to the grindstone because we've got another 20 or pages of results to get through. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Uh, Generation Games, pick it up in all good news ages or get online and subscribe. Thank you very much.